everybody and welcome to episode eight of the Gainline podcast. We hope you're doing really well. We are really excited to present to you Lynn Cantwell on today's episode as she tells us all about her upcoming adventures to South Africa. And yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Lucy, how are you getting on? This is like hot time of the year now for women's rugby, like coming up to Six Nations. What is going on? How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, it feels so exciting because it's it's like we've had the men's tournament. I'm really, really excited actually to just have this the month of April to focus 100% on women's international rugby and just have just have that as a focus. Um, it's going to be exciting because we've got a new new version of the tournament um, in the shortened format. I will actually just run our listeners through if they're not aware of how this year's competition is happening um so basically um the format comprises of two pools of three teams with each team playing one home and one away fixture that once the pool round matches are complete the teams will face off against the opposing ranked team from the other pool on what um we're calling super saturday so as in like first place against First place in pool A will play first place in pool B and so on, um, which I think is really what are your thoughts, Anna, in terms of like there's going to be a big final on on, you know, culminating because last year almost it was like England played France first game and that could have potentially been the title decider in round one, which was not probably the way a tournament should be. Um, but I mean, yeah, how do you feel about there being a big final on the last day? Yeah, I'm certainly interested to see how it's going to go. Like, that's that's basically it. I'm not like, yes, this is definitely the way to go and the way forward. And I know that with, you know, your, your kind of round robin way of doing it, like traditionally, um, it might not always be the most exciting kind of lead up to the end of the tournament, but I still loved it. And I still loved, you know, game time is more important than excitement. So I'd still prefer to be playing those five games, you know, instead of like uh, having this knockout, not even a knockout, but the, you know, the last round kind of um, going for, going for a place on a super Saturday. So yeah, definitely just going to be really intrigued to see how, how it, how it goes. And it's like everything this year, everything has been different. Everything has been thrown at us in a different way so the pools are in pool a is england italy scotland and pool b is france ireland and wales um so yeah as i mentioned so england will play scotland this saturday at three o'clock in uh, castle park in doncaster and france will play wales um and you'll be pr- probably better with the pronunciation than me in this anna is it vance ah, so, oui, oui, bien sûr. Mm-hmm. so let's um preview those games so um in terms of england scotland um obviously last year england beat scotland 53 nil and it was in those horrendous conditions in murrayfield do you remember those oh like watching the girls yeah with their arms under their armpits and just like yeah and that game had been postponed from the sunday to the monday Oh. And they still had to play in those horrendous conditions. That was when Abby Dow scored like that sensational solo try when she kind of weaved in and out of all the defenders from literally the halfway line. So um, yeah, more, more of that um, from a from an England perspective. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on on who might prevail in that game? I mean, you know, your easy answer there is England and. I suppose, you know, we've been watching a lot of upsets in the men's game. I think now is a good time for Scotland to really 
um, push that challenge that I know they've had been having really good, good camps and been training really hard and the Scottish girls have been outstanding in the Prem so it would I'll put be, my bets on it, England I think but yeah what what do you think because I just remember the um obviously the last time you know when England won the title without having to play Italy they they um, before their grandstand match they won due to the fact that Scotland drew with France so mm-hmm. you never know I mean mm-hmm. you know, we did all say like oh France will Goodness, yeah push them aside but I I you know Scotland proved us all wrong in that in that draw so yeah that's so true and you can never underestimate a Scottish pack then we have France Wales and again last year very one-sided scoreline that was in Cardiff Arms Park and France beat Wales 50 50 nil um scoring eight, eight tries in total um so I personally feel that France got beaten twice by England in the autumn fixtures back in November um in quite a cruel way actually didn't they especially when they came to England and I think uh, England scored at the last play of the game um, mm-hmm. to win but I, I think they're going to be they're going to be someone not to be not to be crossed I think they're going to they're going to be hot on England's heels in terms of um, title contenders this year yeah definitely and you know I would say I kind of have a similar feeling um, about Wales you know really having put in a lot of good work they've had some really good appointments in their staff um the welsh girls again doing outstanding in the prem um so uh, you know like i say it's a good it's as good a time as any i feel in in some ways all bets are off because we just we haven't seen anyone perform and you know we can all guess and assume that all these teams have been putting in like uh you know an obscene amount of work um all, throughout all this time away from rugby so when it comes down to kick off, like it's that's that's when you can start, you know, like reading into teams and analyzing teams. So I wouldn't have too much homework done on any, um, you know, I wouldn't be too stressed about kind of how a team might come out the traps. Like I think it's just in in a way all bets off. So it's as good a time as any for someone to come in with an upset. England have never lost a women's Six Nations match to Scotland, so that is. Mm well a stat that Scotland will want to change of course but um obviously England being the only professional side in the tournament and France being semi-professional um yeah you would you would expect wins for England and France this weekend Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um who are you most looking forward to seeing in kind of from a France um France England Scotland Wales perspective um in terms of the French team I speak They've got their big time players in there. They've got Jesse Chamoulier, Pauline Bourdon, Safi Ndiaye. And I, two two players I thought had fantastic tournaments for France last year were Cyril Banet and Laure Sansous, um, the scrum half. I thought they both oh, yes. were pretty outstanding. Um, so, and for England, Sarah Hunter is back from long-term injury. So that's good for them. Emily Scarrett's obviously in the squad. Poppy Cleals. They've got, you know, people that have always perform week in week out in the prem as you were saying for the welsh players um yeah any any players to watch from a wales scotland perspective you got your eye on um my teammate in, in harlequins chloe roley you know she's um so dangerous on the ball and in a bit of space so would love to see you know scotland get her into their games kind of early early on and get her doing a bit of damage and getting her moving onto the ball like she's such a threat um from that back three um wherever wherever she's going to play in the back three. And then um, 
you know, kind of sticking with the, the girls that I know, you know, Jade Conkle, who's been such a stalwart for Scotland the past few years, is taking a bit of time out to get her fire brigade training done. So um, they'll miss her for sure. Um, but, you know, they've got a lot of good, good, good forwards and um, to, to take her place and step up the mark in, in, in Scotland there. Um, in terms of Wales, um, it's good to see Kira Bevan um, back in the squad for them. She's so, um, she's so dangerous for them and gets, the, gets them on the front foot and really injects some pace into their, into their game. And um, yeah, and I'm interested to see like how the squad in general is coming together under Warren Abrahams. Um, he was our coach in Richmond a few years back and he's very interesting approach to, um, yeah, philosophy around coaching and approach to, to coaching in general. And I think he'll do wonders for the girls there. And as far as, you know, as far as I, I'm aware, they've been really enjoying, um, you know, time under him there and, and are in a really good place. So I think, yeah, like the, it, they're going to be an, an exciting team to watch the Six Nations interesting with England will be who they pick at number 10 because this is the first tournament I think England will be playing without the kind of legendary Katie Daly McLean who just had that tension absolutely nailed down because she she's just one of the best in the world um so now she's retired there's the kind of obviously Megan Jones has come into the 15 setup from sevens herself um but then you've got the the other more traditional 15s players of Helena Rowland who plays for Loughborough and Zoe Harrison uh, for Saracens and obviously Zoe has been the reserve 10 for for quite a few years behind Katie um but I think that um Helena has has kind of snuck up behind behind Zoe and is, is just as much in contention but then Megan Jones has had such an awesome first you know half of the season with Wasps at at fly half um that she I actually have a hunch that she might start in the 10 shirt on Saturday but anyway that's my opinion um it's just interesting to to see these gaps open up when these big players retire and um the young the young guns kind of coming through so it'd be really interesting to see how how the how England go selection wise uh, for Saturday from an Ireland perspective obviously you're not playing this weekend but um 20 over 20 weekend camps since October so you've been you know um with with the te- with your teammates, you've been in in camp regularly, um, which you know is just fantastic for in terms of team development and cohesion that type of thing. What's it What's it been like, Anna? And, and also, what are your thoughts on your five uncapped players who all, who have all come through the the um, kind of the sevens program? Yeah, and to have um, so many uncapped players there is just really great. Like they've you know often when the sevens girls come in, they don't have that much time with the squad because they're away on world series events or um, training with sevens. And obviously they've continued to train with sevens during the week, but they have been able to commit to the 15s program fully at the weekend. So that's been, that's been a real positive this time around. So, you know, I'm, I've no doubt that there'll be, there'll be some new caps given out to, to those sevens girls. And it's good to see. Um, we just have so many young girls in the squad that have, kind of in the last few years a lot of the new girls that would come up through the AIL that have a lot of promise would kind of go straight into sevens and you know for like for the sake of the world series and things like that a lot of their time then is taken up with sevens so they don't have much time for 15 so it's really good to have young girls coming in that know the 15s game really well yes they some of them have been like training with sevens and that's 
amazing for them but it's good to have them like really committed to the 15th cause now and like really fully preparing for six nations and it's interesting you know are you are you in a you know are you in a more advantaged or less advantaged position to kind of have a bye weekend in the first weekend and like watch the other teams play and do your homework or are you better off just getting straight into it and having a game under your belt before you come up against another team so it's you know there's pros and cons to take from all of that so the hand we've been dealt is you know dealt is to um buy weekend first watch wales and france do our homework on them from that first fixture and um yeah we'll be really happy with that to get a bit of homework done because to be fair our camps have been so intense that like i felt like after this weekend i felt like i played a test game because it was so tough so today we're speaking to lynn cantwell she is ireland's most capped female player with 86 caps she was obviously part of the um, victorious Ireland team who beat New Zealand in the 2014 World Cup to make to make the semi-finals of the competition. Um, and we kind of chat through Anna and Lynn have memories as, of previously playing for UL Bows. Um, so we chat about that. But obviously we talk about her new role as the um, South African women's high performance manager. Um, and she talks about her goals in that role, what she, what she wants to achieve and how she's sort of found her feet because she started that role in January. And um, so we hear all about that. And she also tells us a rather funny tale joke, bottle of Coke. <laughs> so we really hope you enjoy. Very welcome to our guest this week. And we're going to get started straight away with our quick fire intro. Right. Okay. Guest of the week. What is your full name? Lynn Cantwell. Lynn Patrick Margaret Nicole Vaughan Cantwell, by the way. Oh my God, how many names Ooh. is that? Four, it's embarrassing, honestly. Like, who gives a child for confirmation choice over the name <laughs> that you have? What did you choose for your confirmation? Well, I had Lynn Catherine Margaret for, that was what I was born with, and oh, that's yeah. all the family names. And then oh, I yeah. chose Nicole Vaughan because they were two of my old cousins. But like, who does that? I know who, what parent allows their child? Lynn, Catherine, Margaret. Give, us, give us the full one again. Lynn, Catherine, Margaret, Nicole, Yvonne, Cantwell. Yes. Oh my God. Love that. Things will never be the same again. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Like <laughs> people I've met over the years who haven't got a middle name, I've kind of said, oh, I've got a couple free. <laughs> but that's so true about your parents giving you the choice. I wanted to take Bosco. <laughs> Because I was looking up saints' names and I realized that Bosco was the saint. Anyway, so much for um, the quick fire um, intro, right? Full name is the first one. Birthplace? Dublin. Current location? London. Profession? By performance manager for the women's team in South African rugby. Yes, that's the best answer we've had so far. Right. And if you weren't a rugby player, what would you have been? athlete I suppose yeah athlete even though I kind of moved away from that after I finished athletics when I was kind of 20 that's when I took up rugby I definitely would have been a like a a lifelong lover of sport I don't know what I would have gone to now demographically like if you look at my body what we know now about like genetics and stuff I should have been a diver or a gymnast or a weightlifter because I'm 50 50 so you're supposed to have like 40 60% 60% like 40% is your upper body and 60% is your legs I'm just 50-50 so I'm very balanced so it, it suits well for rugby but also for diving gymnastics or weightlifting really no 
scary. Oh, would you have been like a diver now? I'd be terrified of the heights. Would you? Oh, no, no, I've never been on a diving board in my life, to be honest. But, but maybe that that's what I should have been in a different there's life. Still, there's still time, Lily. There's still time. Anyway, brilliant. OK, wonderful. Quick fire intro there to get to know a little bit about um, Lynn Cantwell. So um, thanks so much for joining us. Like, this is so exciting to chat to you. You're a former teammate of mine. We were just chatting there. We're like, we're UL Bo's old girls now. Um, Alec Adoos in, in, in rugby, but you're, you've had some really exciting news recently with your recent appointment um, for South Africa. How's that going? Like, how are you feeling now? What's, what's going on in, in Lynn's world right now? It's going well. Like, I started with South Africa in, in January of this year, so I'm working remotely until the plan is to, is to head over there probably July-ish time. Um, and just visas are sitting in home offices that are both closed at the moment and COVID flights etc but oh, wow. so I started in January and it's going really well from the point of view of say the offices over there are working remotely too so it's kind of enabled the virtual work to, to be quite effective and um, a lot of my role is, is going to be strategic so it's going to be looking at the whole system as opposed to just the, the central or the, the national program um, but Obviously, it originally being a campaign year, a Rugby World Cup campaign year, our focus was lots on the campaign as well as the strategic stuff. Um, and my time was spent trying to just support the, the management and the present structure um, that was working towards the World Cup. So supporting them to, to have whatever they needed to have so that they can concentrate on the preparations on, on the pitch. Um, but from a postponement point of view, even though I know it's really tough in general to adjust to a postponement um, for the players specifically from a postponement point of view, I think we're happy it's going to give the girls a lot mm -hmm. more time. And I think for me in, in the role that I'm at, it'll allow me more time to put more of the foundations or, or actually just gather more of the insights from the rugby community to understand how we need to approach this and what we need to do and what we what is truly possible. Um, and then enable us to have that information on top of the girls going into the World Cup um, next year. So it's, it's yeah, lots of those kind of introductory conversations and brainstorming and kind of a lot of philosophical conversations as, as such as opposed to how do we approach this. And then from a campaign point of view, the girls are obviously still in camp and, and still training and we just have to try and get them like everybody as much game time as possible this year to, to prep for next year. What does the kind of league system, do you know, if you're looking at Ireland, if you had like someone coming into Ireland to be a, you know, high performance manager of women's rugby, you'd say, okay, there's an AIL, uh, Bose, so-and-so, and so-and-so -and -so are your top teams. So you'll get your, your players from there. And then there's the Interpros as well. And that's what you need to know about the system in Ireland. What, what have you, what does the South African women's rugby system look like and who are the big teams there? Say, for example, in South Africa, they have got a provincial structure, which would be the equivalent of, say, you know, the, the Munster, Leinster, um, they'll have Western Province, Eastern Province, they'll have Sharks, Bulls, and that would be the provinces. There's 14 provinces in, in South Africa, and there's six of them would have a Premier League. So they play in a Premier League. Now, previously, they just played five or six games a year, and that would be reflective of, of the setup, whereas we, we've doubled that this year, so they're to play 10 um, and that was in line with what we were trying to do was obviously domestically give them as much game time as possible because we knew we weren't going to play internationally, but as well as um, for a, a system to, to be a performance-based system, we just needed a domestic level to play as many games as possible. And, and look, Anna, you will have experienced the, the Alliance League and the, the Tyrrells Premiership over in England and, and their version of that. So 
the ultimate would be <clears throat> from a competition point of view, we want to make sure that their domestic competition is as competitive as possible so that they're gaining as much competitive experience and kind of performance environment type of uh, type of an approach regionally as much as as we can that flows through to the national system. Lynn what attracted you to the role in the first place and and kind of with that question as well is um what potential I mean you must have seen there's a, a like, such a high amount of potential within the South African squad. Yeah look um what attracted me to it to be honest look I, I think we're all romantics of the game really aren't we from a rugby point of view and definitely a women's rugby point of view um and definitely for me just my time for the past couple of years spending more time in the in the women in sports space um from a gender equality point of view it, you know it's just really fascinating and it's just so wonderful uh, to see progress in a space that enables everybody to just play sports you know on, a, on an equal playing field and I know that 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 will take time and and it looks different for, for different sectors etc but I think I'm, I'm intrigued by that um, and excited by those prospects. And I, and I think when we're seeing results in that space, I think we're really seeing lots of great women coming out in coaching position or referees positions or playing positions that are just doing great work in sport. And their version of the sport is looks different and therefore, and it's quite attractive. So I, I think I like the idea that, you know, the, the product of, of women's sport and women's um, athleticism, women's players, looks different to men sometimes and, and I love that and I just think there's more of it as opposed to either or it's definitely an and um so that's kind of my interest in the space and then from a South African point of view I think the I the main interest and main attraction would be the the leadership and you know they they want to happen um and I I definitely can help walk beside them for you know a period of time to tell them all I know from a global context and then obviously hopefully we translate that into a South African context. So a lot of it is leadership and um, they want to open a lot of doors and, and they already have. And if anything, I'm probably trying to grapple with, oh, how do we, I want us to move fast and everybody wants us to move fast, but how do we make sure that it's meaningful and inclusive when, when we do take those steps forward? Um, so yeah, leadership is a huge part of what attracted me to it because, you know, it wouldn't make sense to try um be in a position and be faced with lots of, 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 of blockers and although it would be still satisfying to try and kind of push it and nudge it and influence I think it's definitely more satisfying to you know apply that time um in a platform that wanted to happen and then hopefully it'll just be generally more fruitful and in, in, in all amazing and do you think there's yeah do you why do you think the potential hasn't quite been reached you know they're 13th in the world do you think that there's just the linking up of the whole system is that what your role will entail is is that kind of pathway route up to the top like you were saying yeah so there's lots of huge potential I think um the the volume of talent is is just off the charts um but there's just not many access points into the game okay. um and then <clears throat> what does that look like when you are there there's just kind of lots of lots of things to consider so there's lots of potential and um, if anything from a men's point of view I think what you find is in general the approach is because there's so much talent and because there's such a variety of talent as well that um often you're not good enough there's three or four players to just replace you for example you know so I think that that just demonstrates the talent that there will be from a female's point of view um and that's like relatively untapped and, and the people that are in the systems you know that 
Babalwalachas and, and the Zenager dance that are there already. We can see the talent, the raw talent that they do have. Um, and there's you're just buckets and buckets of, of them out there. So I think we just need to, as I say, yes, create an infrastructure that allows people to access it locally and relatively locally or regionally because the size of the country is something that I'm trying to get my head around. Um, but then when they are there, I think something that I feel quite, quite passionate about is when they are there is that we create a, an environment whereby as, as females, as, as women athletes and players, that they're encouraged to grow and to really understand the power of, of being a, like a wonderful woman and like what can that look like from a rugby context point of view. So, yeah, that's all of the things that we're trying to figure out at the moment. I think that's why we're just trying to objectively look at, it, at what, are, what is it that we're trying to change, see, get real baselines as to where everybody's at and, and build from there. Um, but... It'll, it'll be a hard slog because look, the, the, the standards of the game are just growing. Every country is growing. And um, yes, South Africa are growing. And, and I'd be hopeful that we would be like informed in, in what we're trying to do and, and go relatively in the right direction. And I say that specific to like South Africa specific. It's not what everybody else is doing. Um, but, but it'll be tough because, you know, look, it all just, you're competing at the top then, aren't you? So it's, um, it's about it's, it's you know it's it's a free for all. So yeah, I'll be hopeful, but like it'll be tough once we get there and the competitions. I think we have France in the first game in 2022, and then England in the second game, and then Fiji. So you know they'll all be games, but um, I hope that they can get lots from it. Amazing, definitely. And and um, one of my last questions about about this, um, Leonard. You'll obviously have heard about the the new global competition which World Rugby have just announced, um, the WXV. Um, and I was reading up, so I, I, I'm guessing that South Africa would be competing in the WXV2 or WXV3, depending on qualification. I mean, what does that competition, what kind of window does that competition open up for, for, the, for you and, and getting more and more game time ahead of that, um, well, ahead of the 2025 World Cup, but just getting more and more players exposed to that high level of rugby? Yeah, that's it. Look, I, I think... Um, South Africa's biggest problem has been competitions and that's been geographically based and resources based really and historically they stopped playing 15s in 2014 to focus domestically and um, went back onto the international stage I suppose in 2018 and, and started playing up in Europe one or two games <clears throat> and that was really helpful on that that's the ones that you were mentioning there and so in general they just need competition to grow every every player needs competition to grow and learn um, and refine and that's what they haven't had so an annual opportunity to play a global comp is going to be huge there hopefully would be vying to be African um, champions and that would be the the mechanism by which they 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 qualify for the tier two hopefully and then we don't know obviously about tier one for the next couple of years um, so that would be that would be great but I think the commitment has been though for we'd be hopeful for South Africa to play a minimum of kind of six to eight internationals kind of going forward per year. So the global comp will encompass a good bit of those. And then we'd be looking to hopefully play another kind of two, three games a year outside of that as well. So yeah, look, it's definitely very exciting because look, everybody knows and Anna knows more than anybody else that just competitions are what make the game grow and you grow as a player. So any opportunity to do that and the guarantee to be doing that on an annual basis is really, really smashing for every, every country in your world, to be honest. Definitely amazing. And I, my last question about the, the South African role is, um, Lynn, what do you want to achieve um, in the role? Although my role is 100% performance driven and, and my role will be measured on the success of the national team. And therefore, my answer to that would be to 
perform with distinction in, in 2022 in the World Cup and then in 2025 is to feature in the top eight and then beyond in that in 2029 it would be beyond that so and objectively that's what we'd hope to do and um, I think philosophically for me I feel very strongly about using sport and rugby as a as a platform where women can grow um, and really connect with their identity as, as females and as um, players and as, as athletes. And I, and I really would love to see the opportunity whereby we can, because, you know, there's not relatively a, a brand of women's rugby in South Africa. The, the brand of the men's game is, is very um, set. And um, I'd love to see at a philosophical level of seeing rugby as a, as a place where girls can reimagine what's possible. And um, I think, uh, I think if we if we approach it that way, then I think it opens the doors for for lots of girls to go to rugby to have a great experience as a as a young girl and as a as a woman. And um, fingers crossed, you know that will definitely flow through to performance. But if it doesn't, it allows girls to be stronger in themselves through sport and um, hopefully produce lots of great future coaches and referees and board members and people in the media, all of those things. So yeah, there's kind of two aims for me, a philosophical one, as well as a, a kind of performance-based one. Okay, and then before, Anna, before we talk about kind of UL Bose memories and things like that, um, Lynn, I just wanted to get your opinion on um, on Ireland in general, because obviously they had a very successful Six Nations in terms of winning last year, winning all their home games. What are your thoughts on on where, where Ireland are as a national team and, and how they can kind of continue to get that consistency? Because it's kind of, typically been a bit up and down do you, do you think that their regular camps that are happening that Anna's obviously attending do you think that that you know they're they're building towards something that that can be a bit more hopefully consistent on a world stage yeah like definitely and, and again like I don't know because I'm not there and um, but I think everything that you're hearing is that the setup is is good like I believe from an SNC point of view and you'll attest to this like order current is supposed to be just a you know a, an absolute wizard and from a um, intensity point of view and I, I think that's something that probably the girls would have just um, would have not struggled with in the past at all but just getting understanding the intensities by which you should be playing and how regular you should be um, hitting those intensities per week in order for you to sustain your performances in an 80 minutes throughout your, your Six Nations all of that is a lot of that is SNC based and obviously intensity and training based and I think Lorla has done lots of great work um, with with just increasing awareness is read out that so I, I believe that that's great and that's transparent to lots of rugby I believe Kieran your Kieran your defensive coach I believe he's a really great asset so I think there's lots of accountabilities and lots of really great technical and tactical improvements that are coming across the team which is just going to be really brilliant so I, I'd be very kind of feel very positive and I say this like not knowing um, what's going on because only the girls know what's really going on within the camp um, but I'd be very hopeful that coming into the European qualifiers they should be head and shoulders above um, above the teams that they're competing against but it'll be down to how well you can manage the mutt you know and how well you can manage the games and your own head around um, dominating the game because it really shouldn't matter who you're playing I, I think Ireland if they can really focus on maturing as players and as a team to be able to manage what they have to be competitive against the teams that they're playing against, then they, they really stand to be a very, very strong team. What, you know, we, we, we're always such 
we praise Bose so much and we just loved our time there so much. Like what, if anything, will you have kind of learned from your time in Bose, your teammates, your coaches and the setup there that you still hold on to and that you'll bring into future roles, whether that's in South Africa or otherwise? Like what, yeah, what does kind of UL Bose, you know, mean to you now and, and what have you got from it, like from over the years? Why Bose is so important? There's lots of those lovely examples, but if I could like sum it up in true value, like if we talk about inclusivity and if we talk about from a female sports point of view, what we're trying to do is to create environments where females are truly included and wanted and valued because the value of them is true and honest and authentic. Um, yeah. And I think that that is what I experience in Bose. And I think we all experience Bose. And what did that look like? Like that looked like a club that truly gave good coaches to their female players, that the men watched the games, that the girls watched, watched the, the men's games, is that there was true investment in, in technical knowledge because you had good coaches. So like my experience would have been having Ian Coslo as our coach for so many years. And I firmly believe because of the age that we were as, for, as, as, as rugby players, we had that technical and tactical input at a, such a young age that we just went on a trajectory to be really good rugby Q, rugby academics you know and I and I think the reason why I think that's important is because because of the base that women's rugby players are coming from if you if you would invest at a rugby IQ level then they're going to do really well as opposed to just kind of leaving it to chance so like they're all kind of examples of it but it comes down to Martin O'Sullivan being the president and him playing touch with us on a Monday night or tip with us on a Monday night and all of the different inclusive pieces that that Bose did and still do to this day and um, the academy Anna you know you guys were all a part of the academy and you were just another player you know all of that stuff is yeah and we, think, we, we think oh isn't that great no this is so key so so important and so key and I really take my hat off to UL Bose for doing it yes it probably helped that we won lots then afterwards so there was a kind of a swell of interest and and pride that they had in us so it was you know it was both ways but you know, I, I take my hat off to their, you know, original uh, creation, innovation of, of wanting a women's team and, and creating a, a wonderful environment whereby they were truly welcome. Your pictures were on the wall. You were spoken about in the award ceremonies because you were important. And we take this for granted, but these are so, so key. Our pictures were on the website. We are lifelong members of ULBOs. I am not a lifelong member in all of the other clubs that I've played in around the world. I am not. And you wonder why you don't feel welcome to go stay in the game after you've left at a club because you don't really want us there, you know, where you always felt wanted in Bose and, and it was true and authentic. And I think that was um, why at a club level and then sure the crack, like the girls were just bonkers, aren't they? So yeah. <laughs> that probably speaks for itself. <laughs> so you have to, you know, you have to try and make myself or Lucy laugh, myself and Lucy laugh, or else you have to send us a bottle of Coke. Which is a bit left field, but... Uh, but yeah, in Russia, we were in Russia at the Sevens World Cup and uh, we had to go through x rain machines to get into the hotel, which you kind of take for granted. But then when you look back at it, you kind of go, oh, God, really? Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're kind of eyeing up this x ray machine for about two and a half weeks throughout the Sevens World Cup. And obviously then at the last night, you're like, right, <laughs> me and you, x ray machine, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> 
<laughs> so then you know you try and you try and distract the guards or you get somebody to distract the guards and then you're kind of like run and, you, and then once you're halfway through the x-ray machine they can't pull you out you know and then you hope somebody's got a video of like what your body looks like going through the x-ray machine <laughs> i've seen that video <laughs> who knew my legs were so short um, <laughs> was the one the one that I was thinking of this is just so random so Anna do you remember Joe Sullivan she was usually played with Richmond and she was a center for Ireland as well and she's just wonderful like her mom was from Limerick and she's just such a romantic Irish <clears throat> player um, and was obviously based in England and stuff but I'll never forget like Joe you'd often look at her in the middle of the pitch and you're like Joe was day, complete day, daydreamer. You know, she's the person who would arrive at Irish camp and she'd have her boot bag for a weekend's camp, you know, and <laughs> she'll have cycled up the M25 because she was late for a flight, you know, cycling <laughs> up the M. You know, she's done this. But anyway, I remember once it was in Six Nations in St. Mary's where we used to play. And I looked over and she had her hand down her pants. And I was like, Joe, what are you doing? And she was like, Oh, sorry, Lynn. She was like, oh, you know, because we used to have the Canterbury shorts and the Canterbury shorts, they were like rough, but then they had this really nice silky piece, which was inside of your shorts, but right underneath in the, in like in your crotch. The crotch area. She had her hand down her pants and she was just like rubbing the silky piece. (laughs) And I was like, Joe, like the ball is coming. Stop it. Get your hand out from underneath your pants. And she was like, oh, it's just really soft. I was like, oh my God. So that, that's what popped this, into my mind. So I'll stick with my story. This was in a game. This was in a match. Yeah. She's like, oh, it's just lovely and silky. That's what she was saying. Oh my God, that is so gas. I know exactly the shorts you're on about. So for our Rhino Rugby Star of the Week competition, we are actually announcing the star of the month today. And I think we're both in agreement that this person has been so great at forwarding us entries from her club uh, to enter the competition. And as you mentioned last week, a lot of our winners have been from from this club. And um, Polly Murphy, you have been an absolute star from Feathered RFC. And um, you are our Rhino Rugby Star of the Month and you will receive um, some Rhino Rugby supplies for for your club. So congratulations. Thanks so much to um, all the girls at Feathered and especially Polly, who've been like um, just flooding our inboxes with um, videos and messages and everything like. And thanks as well to all the other clubs and all the other um, entries that we received. They've been absolutely fantastic we've been so excited to share them and to and for you to be part of the podcast with us so thanks so much keep them coming and let's ramp up the competition um to get to get some more rhino rugby goodies out and thanks so much to rhino as well for sponsoring this for us um we appreciate it so much as do our listeners and the winners who are receiving some goodies every week and every month keep your entries coming in for our rhino rugby star of the week competition we will read out new entries every week it can be a new skill that you mastered over lockdown. It can be a funny picture. It really can be anything. So please do tag us in your posts at Gainline Podcast, or you can email us at gainlinepodcast at gmail.com. Join in, follow us on Gainline Podcast, and we will chat to you very soon. Good luck. Thanks for listening.